Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to thank you for joining us again this week on today's program. I uh, trust that you've been enjoying what we've been sharing so far. We took a little bit of a break over the summer. Of course, you couldn't tell it uh, from the programming. But during that period of time, we've run some programs where we ask you, our viewers, whether you wanted us to continue teaching uh, on the book of Revelation or move on to another subject. It is very difficult uh, to teach the book of Revelation over a long period of time, and we are uh, doing, I think, a fairly exhaustive job. It's impossible to exhaust this subject, but we've been covering it probably the best I've ever been able to in one setting in, in the details that need to be covered. Uh, your response to us has been so overwhelmingly positive that we have decided to continue teaching this for a little while longer at least. And so uh, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts very deeply for your response and uh, the emails, the uh, hits you, you've done on Facebook. Uh, you could go to our public profile page, Lynn House Ministries, and hit the like button and follow us there, by the way. And uh, you know, your response has been so overwhelmingly positive, not just from the U.S. We have received literally responses from around the globe. We've, we've heard from places like uh, uh, England and Germany and from the Netherlands and from Nigeria, from South Africa and from the islands of the sea and from uh, Peru. All around the globe, we've literally heard from people who are thanking us for continuing this study. Let me say again uh, that we really are not trying to fight anybody else's view. I have deep respect for uh, men of God and uh, have many friends that uh, view the book of Revelation perhaps even differently than I do. Without question, uh, the book of Revelation is probably one of the most divisive. The study of eschatology, which is a word that means the study of last things, uh, is absolutely probably one of the most divisive things uh, that you can teach. And uh, we, you know, at th first thought about trying to be safe. But uh, I, I just say that I have great respect for uh, other men of God. We don't villainize or feel like they, that people who do not view this book the way we do are our enemies. I will say this to you, regardless, eschatology does not, what you believe about last things, does not determine whether or not you go to heaven or hell. It is not salvation issues. But what is determined as to see how you see eschatology or the study of last things uh, determines what, how you view your future. Uh, our, our view of uh, eschatology is very optimistic. We believe that, and we're going to make this clearer and clearer as we go on, but we believe the last days uh, that the scriptures talks about was not the last days of a global situation. It was the last days of the mosaic system and of uh, the Jewish polity or the Jewish age. Uh, that being said, I, I think one of the things that we uh, use terminology that's very uh, misquoted most of the times is we talk about uh, the end of time. The scripture does not talk about the end of time. The scripture talks about the time of the end, and there's a vast difference. Habakkuk talks about the time of the end, the appointed time of the end. The book of Daniel talks about the appointed time of the end, and the prophet Daniel says that, uh, uh, that uh, you know, God spoke to Daniel when God was showing Daniel things that were going to be during the time of the end. And again, I think once you at least consider the possibilities of what we're teaching in this series, and just consider the possibility 
Uh, the next time you read a lot of last day scriptures, and if you will read them and in your mind just consider the possibility that they are not talking about the last days of this age, they were talking about the last days of that Jewish age. If you can see that, I believe that it will fit without any gaps, without any gimmicks, without any tricks, without any uh, 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 parentheses theory, without any kind of thing to stop time. It happens, it occurs at the exact time, the precise uh, measurements that these prophets talked about. That's what makes prophetic ministry valid, is that it happened and occurred just like these prophets said it would. The prophet Daniel, God spoke to him and told him when he wrote the book of Daniel, he told him to seal up the vision and the prophecy that, the, the, that these prophecies and this time was way off in Daniel's distant future. And so Daniel would have prefigured and prophesied concerning things that were about to come. The book of Revelation, however, God tells the apostle John, he says to him, listen, don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. And so he was telling John that these prophecies were relevant. Uh, that was, it was about to shortly come to pass. There's so many things that are, are written there. We will deal with it some segments, at least in the future, some of the time sets. And we will set a timetable for you, try to show you how these things occurred literally and uh, spiritually and fulfilling all of the things that were spoken by the prophets and even that were spoken by Jesus, who was probably the greatest prophet of all of them. Uh, I, I believe it's, it's very important to emphasize that. I think that uh, when we start to understand that, uh, it begins to give us a hope for a future that is so much greater than what we thought. You know, I have to say to you that, you know, uh, uh, let me say this as well. I was raised not teaching, not under the view that I'm teaching you now. So as I got old enough, there's something in my spirit that just was not settled uh, with the things that I was hearing taught. Now, again, I'm not trying to take a shot at anybody personality-wise. What you're going to find about our program is that we're not trying to fight anybody else. We simply want to present to you what we believe God said to us, and then you've got the human prerogative to study the Scriptures, search the Scriptures, and see if they are so or not. If they are not so, then we say spit out the grapes, or spit out the seeds and eat the grapes. And, uh, uh, you know, prove that which is good, study all things, be noble like the Bereans. That's all we can ask. I am convinced, though, that a lot of our theologies have not come from a biblical-based theology. They've come from a songbook theology. They've come from the charts of men uh, who have invented uh, theories of end-time things that actually are, if you look them up in Encyclopedia Britannica or study the roots of many of the views that we embrace about Revelation, that they are only 200-year-old theologies. And um, the one uh, that uh, dispensationalism especially was a theory that was uh, uh, invented by a Jesuit priest by the name of Ribera Francisco, who was one of the, uh, of the priests that the Pope put pressure on the Jesuit school. I believe there's another one by the name of Alcazar. I think I'm correct in the name of those, uh, those priests. And the Pope, during the time of Reformation, began to put uh, pressure on uh, these Jesuit priests to come up with a futuristic view of interpretation that would take the heat off of the Catholic Church because when Martin Luther started uh, the Reformation, uh, many began to think that the Pope was Antichrist and that the Catholic Church uh, was Great Babylon. That's not our particular view. However, that was what was being preached uh, during those periods of time and many of them, uh, the reason they invented many of the theories that we embrace as being true uh, was to stop the Reformation. Now, I don't think it's an accident that we've come to another Reformation where God is declaring uh, on a massive level, 
literally around the globe, the gospel of grace and righteousness by faith and bringing us almost back to what Martin Luther stood up and declared when he nailed that 90-some point thesis to the door of the Catholic Church. He said, the just shall live by faith. And from that time on, uh, there began to filter into the message, uh, the same things that we're dealing with again as this message of grace and uh, the message of righteousness by faith is once again sweeping the globe. Once again, the extremes of Calvinism or the extremes of uh, 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 you know, uh, the different things that, are, uh, that were earmarks of that that you see. If you go back and you study history, I really didn't mean to get on the history of this, uh, on this particular segment, but if you go back and study history, you will see things that entered the church like since we're predestined and since we're uh, saved by grace and since God's not holding our sin against us and since we're the elect, let's just act any old way we want to. And there was out of that came lasciviousness and all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, uh, ungodly living. Uh, so the same, the same problems plagued the early church that it did, uh, that it has somewhat in the message of grace uh, as we've come to once again come back to our roots in Reformation, uh, and in that has come some, I believe, end time eschatological views that have, uh, I believe, stopped the flow of Reformation. Now, uh, you know, what I, I begin to see is that the, one of the things we've seen is those things historically stopped the flow. We ought to be at least learned enough to go back and realize that, you know, the real gospel and the real gospel of grace does not produce a loose living. Matter of fact, when you become gripped by grace, the grace of God, according to the book of Titus, teaches us to deny ungodliness. And a real revelation of your identity and knowing who you are and that you're the elect of God and who you are will, will at least what it, it's done for me is that identity has come to me as it says, since then this is true about me. Uh, you know, uh, then, then uh, this is the lifestyle that needs to be there. You know, I could say it to you from the book of Colossians where uh, the Apostle Paul would write to the Colossian church and he would say, since then you have been raised. Uh, the Woos translation says it like this. It says, in view of the fact, therefore, that you have been raised, the things above be constantly seeking where Christ sits and put away from you these things. And he talks about adulteries and fornications and all kinds of lasciviousness. And so uh, what he's saying is when you get a real revelation of who you are and you get a real revelation of the finished work of Jesus Christ and the fact that since then you have been raised, then this lifestyle begins to flow out of it. And let me come back again and tell you that, you know, uh, growing up in classical Pentecostal, there's much about my Pentecostal roots that I still embrace. I mean, I absolutely love the power of Pentecost. I absolutely love the move of the Spirit. I, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in the outpour. I don't believe God ever took them out. I believe they're still available to us today. But with that came a lot of uh, legalism and a lot of uh, do's and don'ts. And then uh, along with that came uh, some of the dispensational theologies that uh, many of us embrace. And I'm not asking you even to drop your views of that. I'm asking you to consider the possibility that there may be another view. Like I said a few moments ago, your entrance into heaven is not determined by what you believe about end times. And so I want you to feel safe and comfortable about that. All I want you to do is simply feel uh, the possibility to consider these things. I, I grew up most of my life not knowing there was any alternative views to the book of Revelation except what was preached, being preached predominantly in the church uh, that was Pentecostal at that particular time. However, I discovered that the, that the view that I embraced and was being taught was only, like I said, a couple a hundred years old and uh, was actually uh, invented to stop the Reformation. 
But one of the, the, the reasons that I believe some of the things that we believe about end times are important is because, especially uh, during my days when I was in high school, we had, at that time, we were, uh, you know, involved once again with Pentecost, and, and I appreciate again my roots there. But we were taught such legalism that we believed that every, almost everything you can imagine was a sin. It was, uh, you know, a sin to eat devil's food cake. It was a sin uh, to watch TV. It was a sin to, to play baseball. Uh, it was a sin to, to, to uh, play sports. And uh, I remember especially coming into my high school years where physical education uh, was a required class that in the state of West Virginia, where I went to school at, that you had to have at least two credits of physical education to be able to uh, graduate high school. Uh, but because we had to wear shorts uh, to be able to play the sports and to, uh, to enter into physical education, uh, it was the conviction of our church and, and uh, we felt like it was our conviction to, uh, you know, not participate in physical education because of the fact that you had to wear shorts. I look back at that now and think, how absurd that is, because the reality of it is I can't imagine a God who is so concerned about my outfit that uh, I, I, it, it determines whether or not I go to heaven or hell, depending on what kind of an outfit I've got on. I, I, I thought this God must be really serious about fashion if that's the case. But I remember sitting in the principal's office when we were about to opt out of physical education because it was, we felt it was a violation of our religious freedom to do so. And our, and our principal looked across the table at us and he said, I respect your religious views. He said, uh, but I cannot give you a diploma. If there, you don't, I, it's not within my power to give you a diploma. You're going to jeopardize your high school diploma uh, if you opt out of this, because I cannot give you a high school diploma uh, without at least two credits of physical education. And I looked across the table at that time at my pastor and uh, uh, those that were with us, and I said, you know, I, I really feel like, uh, you know, I hate to jeopardize my, my future based on the fact that I can't take physical education. And I'll never forget this, but the pastor said to me, he said, son, listen, you'll never see the end of the 70s. Jesus will return before the end of the 70s. You don't need an education. Now, I'm saying that to tell you that I believe that our views of eschatology are very important based on that. And the reason I say that is because I jeopardized my education because I thought we would not see the end of the 70s because at that time they were preaching, especially because the peace signs were everywhere and the hippie days, the peace signs all over, uh, you know, uh, VW uh, buses. And they were, they were saying, you know, when they cry, peace, peace. Then comes sudden destruction as of a woman in travail. And, and so uh, we just knew that uh, the end of the 70s was, uh, you know, that, that was going to be it, that Jesus would return by the end of the 70s. And so I jeopardized my high school education based on the fact that we believe Jesus would be back or that I would need any education. Let me tell you something. Even if I'm wrong about what I believe about a future, and I believe we have a secure future, I believe that I know who holds the future. He's the same one who holds my hand, and his name is Jesus. And we say things like, I've read the last book of the Bible, and we win, except the way we preach it, we don't win. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to preach it in a way where we do win. 
And the reality of it is, is we've already won the battle. Jesus is the victor, and he's wearing a victor's crown. And to me, I'm thinking if, uh, you know, I can remember then when 1988 came, and uh, there was just, just absolute dire prophecies that 1988 would be the end of, uh, uh, that Jesus would return by 1988, because it was one generation from 1948 when, when, uh, you know, the Jews uh, uh, came back to their homeland and they, uh, Israel became a nation. So one generation later would have been 1988. And I can remember uh, that uh, when that message was predominant, I remember uh, one man that I particularly knew of in Alabama who had climbed up on a roof in uh, 1988, and I believe it was September of that year, he climbed up on his roof, and it literally took the sheriff to get him down off of his roof because after several days of sitting there baking in the sun, he's literally saying, let him that's on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Now I'm I was still on that rooftop today. He probably would not be alive. But then, you know, we came along and we somehow uh, rewrote the books and we stretched the dates and we changed the dates. And then it would be 1998. And then uh, the Y2K scare came when all the computers were about to shut down. And we just absolutely knew that this Y2K was the big one and this had to be it. And all of this stuff is going on. And then those dates came and they went and uh, uh, nothing happened. As a matter of fact, it wasn't hardly even a glitch in some things. People bought, uh, you know, large amounts of dried foods and power generators and water and stored them up and, and uh, you know, uh, fear sells things. I'm just trying to take the fear out for you. Uh, and, you know, what happened was that, you know, we, we stocked up those things. It came, it went. And, you know, if we'd have put the money that we spent on seven years worth of dry goods into the gospel, uh, we might have touched a whole lot more people. I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm just trying to make you think. And then when the, the, the wars came under President Bush in the Middle East and we, we said this, this, can't, this has got to be it. Jesus has got to return within just a, a few months. And, and, it, and it goes on and on and on. And here we are 2014 and uh, we're still here. Uh, my thing is this. Uh, if they're right and Jesus comes tomorrow, I'm with you. I believe that, once again, our salvation is not based on what we believe about eschatology, but I have determined that I'm going to do something for the kingdom of God because I believe the mandate of the king is to make disciples of all nations and that the, what Jesus taught concerning the kingdom is that it's like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until the whole thing is affected. I believe that the king's of this earth and the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And as we see in the book of Revelation, there's a kingdom of kings and priests that are uh, on the planet right now. And their mandate is to see the kingdom of God increased and to rule and reign here on planet earth. Man, there's so many things that roll in my spirit as I start to talk about that. Because I think one of the reasons why things have, uh, uh, have digressed is because of our belief systems, because what we believe affects our culture. If we believe we're going to uh, evacuate and leave everything behind, then we're not going to be effective. But if we believe that we're the salt and the light of the earth, then we're going to change some things. My, my particular perspective is this, you know, even as I look back, as I look at guys, and I listen again, I respect deeply uh, other people, because all of us can only teach what either God has showed us or we've heard taught. We cannot all be right, but I'm, I'm not a fighter, so I'm, I'm trying to be as, as, as peaceful as I can about sharing these concepts and get you to share the possibilities. But if I really believe that Jesus was going to come back at any minute, I sure would not build 30 and 40 and 50 and 400 and 500 million dollar buildings uh, 
that were only going to last just a couple of years. I would put that into the gospel. Uh, churches that are teaching and preaching that Jesus is returning at any moment and they are sitting there on large amounts and sums of money they're sitting in the bank, uh, cannot really believe that Jesus will be returning any minute or they would spend every dollar they had to get the gospel preached around the world. And again, I'm not trying to be facetious, I'm just trying to get you to think. But what happened was, in my early days, that kind of a theory robbed me of a future, and I did not believe, uh, you know, that uh, uh, I would need an education. Now, I went on to get greater education as I began to realize and see some of the things that I began to hear the Lord say to me, because stuff was not settling right in my spirit. I believe there are people listening to me right now that you've sat under some of this teaching, and something in you says, uh, I, I don't know uh, the answers, but I know that something about this just does not settle with my spirit. And as I would watch those guys teach and roll their charts out across the front of the church and bring all the stuff and they would teach it, I would be so confused by the time it was over. I'd say, well, I, I, you know, I don't understand what they're saying, but everybody else believes this, so it has to be right. But something in my spirit was not settling, and it was not content with that. And so I began to dig in the Scripture, and most of the stuff that I came across, as I begin to teach it, what I'm teaching today is a lifelong quest for me to know. And uh, I was, like I said, I used to embrace many of these other things that are being taught. I have studied every view there is of the book of Revelation, the four most competing views of the book of Revelation. And I'm satisfied that uh, uh, at least I've got some pieces to it. I, I'm just going to say with all clarity, there's not one of us that have all of it. So what I've done is take a, a, a synthesis of all the views and take its strengths and its weaknesses and bring with the view that I share all of its strengths because I don't think it has to be either or. I believe we could bring pieces of each one of them into it and uh, see a greater view and a bigger Jesus than we've ever seen before. But I look at my, uh, back at my history and, you know, I said to one of my English teachers uh, who had read some of my material, I, I ran into her at an event and uh, she was one of my favorite English teachers and, I, and actually one that made me work really hard. And I didn't at that time think she was the greatest teacher. But she said to me in an event, she said, uh, she said uh, I've read all your material. And she said, I just want you to know uh, that I, I'm proud of you. I've read all your books. And I said, well, man, I'm just absolutely flattered that you even read them. And I said, I'm going to tell you this much. If I knew I was going to affect this many people, I'd have sure paid a whole lot more attention in your class because I tell you what, I realized later on that I needed every bit of education that I could get and I needed my high school diploma, so it robbed me. But we began to teach much of this stuff uh, many, many years ago. This is not something new for us, but it is something that we began to teach in our local church and to our families because to me, uh, what I teach is not just so I could get more popular or so I could be right, because actually if I would teach something else, I would be, have a whole lot more access to larger platforms and because it would be more popular to teach the popular view. However, I cannot in my own conviction compromise what I believe God has said to me. But we begin to teach this at our church, uh, you know, uh, over 30 some years ago. And now in our church, instead of having, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm not saying that it's wrong to be uneducated, but we have in our church today and in our family, we have doctors, we have surgical technicians, we have dental hygienists, we have a county commissioner in our church, we have a chief of police that lived with my brother from our town that, that went to our church. We have uh, chief financial officers, we have plant managers, we have, uh, uh, we, we have uh, bosses on plant companies, we have contractors, we have, uh, uh, you know, the list goes on and on of what 
we begin to teach because we started teaching them that the kingdoms of this world must become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ, and that you don't necessarily have to be a preacher to uh, have influence in the earth and be salt and light, because we're going to take back the kingdoms of this earth, and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. But what happened was, is that we begin to teach our kids, you do have a future. Reach for the stars. Go for the dreams. I'll never forget coming home from some of those meetings where I'd hear some of the other stuff that was taught, and I would be so discouraged thinking, you know, I'd at least like to get married before uh, Jesus comes. I, I, I you know, had, a, had an aunt that told me, she said, you know, one of the reasons I only had one child is because of the fear stuff that was taught uh, from the book of Revelation and from end time stuff. And she said it robbed me of a family because I didn't want to have children during this period of time. But what if I told you some of the stuff that I think that we have taught as being uh, in our future is not in our future at all, that it occurred in 70 A.D., and especially between uh, 66 A.D. and 70 AD, 70 A.D., and that many of the facts concerning it can be documented by reading guys like Josephus, the historian, and Eusebius, and, 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 uh, and others that were Roman and Jewish historians, and say, it's not in our future, these things are in the past, and that we might have a bright future. See, for most eschatologies to work, things have got to get worse and worse. But I'm telling you that I believe the kingdom of God is powerful. And uh, someone wrote a blog about me back some time ago and said, well, you know what? This guy, talking about me, actually believes the gospel will really work. And I'm thinking to myself, that's true, I do believe that. <laughs> I believe the gospel will really work. And I, I, if you don't, you're certainly spending a lot of money uh, to, to preach a message if we don't believe the gospel works. But I believe the king is victorious. I believe the devil is defeated. I believe the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the earth and all they that dwell there. And Psalm 37 says, yet a little while, and the wicked will not be. You will diligently consider his place and will not find it. But the meek will inherit the earth and dwell therein forever. The earth belongs to Mr. and Mrs. Jesus Christ. It's part of your inheritance. I trust you've enjoyed this. I'm going to ask you to tune in again next week at the same time as we continue to unfold this. Take a moment to call that number on the screen right to us and sow a seed into the ministry. It is your faithful partnership that helps us take the gospel around the world. If you believe in what we're teaching, please get behind us and, uh, and, 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 and become a part of something that's absolutely transforming uh, lives. You can be a part of that gospel revolution by becoming a partner, and we do need partners. Don't sit by on the sidelines thinking somebody else is going to do it. We do need your help, and we appreciate it deeply. We thank you for your comments and your words of encouragement to us. Uh, tune in again next week at the same time as we continue to share this, and we appreciate you. God bless you is our prayer for you today. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.